God here, here today. I ask that you would anoint my lips to speak just what it is the Spirit of God is saying to the church. And that you would anoint the people's ears to hear what it is that you would want them to know. As we move forward in time in this nation. In Jesus name we pray. And all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Jeremiah. Book of Jeremiah if you would. I'm using the entire book. As my text for this message today. The Spirit of God instructed me over the last four Wednesday nights to teach a Bible study from the book of Jeremiah concerning what God would say to this nation of the United States through the prophet Jeremiah. And then after I taught that Bible study on what would Jeremiah say to this nation The Lord instructed me to come into this pulpit this Sunday morning and preach to you a message titled, Jeremiah Speaks to America. What would the prophet Jeremiah speak into the television cameras of America? Would it be the messages we are currently hearing from the preachers that are on nationwide media? To know what Jeremiah would say, we would need to know what was going on in Judah, where he ministered. See if those things are similar to what is going on in America. And if so, then Jeremiah's message to Judah would be what he would speak to America. What would God Speak to this nation through the prophet Jeremiah. What would Jeremiah have to say to this nation called the United States of America? What was going on in Judah? Let's see if it was similar to what's going on in this nation. And then Jeremiah's message to Judah would be the same as it is to the United States if he were to speak Into the television cameras and the media of this nation. In Jeremiah chapter 2 we see that Israel started out as a great nation. Loving God, seeking God and honoring Him. But as time went on, as seen in Jeremiah the 18th chapter, Judah left God. They left the ancient paths of righteousness to serve worthless idols. How did Judah change? They stopped honoring God. They stopped praying to him and seeking him. They became idolaters, worshiping a false goddess known as the queen of heaven, a supposed sex goddess of fertility. They shed the blood of innocent children by burning them in fire as human sacrifices to their false gods. There was sexual sin in Judah, including the sin of homosexuality. There was wickedness and backsliding. There was rebellion 
and a greediness for gain. In a similar fashion, the United States of America served God. As our ancestors left Great Britain and came to America to be able to worship God freely and unhindered. America was founded on the Bible and on the godly principles of Christianity. The Bible was used as a textbook in the public schoolhouses of early America. America grew to be great, but like Judah, America has strayed from the ancient pathways and has all but left Almighty God to serve worthless idols. In the last 50 or so years, America has lost her moral fiber. God was kicked out of the public school system. Politicians have been passing ungodly laws and regulations at every turn. They've been trying to kick God out of our nation's pledge. There's perverseness in television and in almost all of the media. There's drunkenness, drug addiction, disobedience to parents, gambling, pornography, and all sorts of sexual promiscuity, murder in the United States of America, the Supreme Court allowing unborn babies to be slaughtered, quote unquote, legally in abortion clinics, just like they were killing babies in Judah. We've been killing babies here in the abortion clinics of the United States of America. Since 1973, approximately 25 million unborn children have been slaughtered. A nation that does that cannot be and is not great. America as a whole has all but forgotten God. Judah, as you look into the book of Jeremiah, committed two major sins. And I believe these are the two basic Major sins that we see in America as well. First of all, they forsook God, the living water. And secondly, they dug their own cisterns or their own wells, trying to fulfill themselves with everything but God. You see, Jeremiah was called by God as a young man. He was set apart and ordained by God as a prophet who is a spokesman for God. He was a prophet to the nations. God gave Jeremiah a tough assignment. His assignment was to warn the nation of Judah to repent or judgment was coming. And that judgment would ultimately be that Judah would be overthrown by the Babylonians and they would go into Babylonian captivity. Jeremiah warned Judah for some 40 years. Think of it, some 40 years to repent and turn back to God or the nation would be overthrown. God's hand of protection would lift and the Babylonians would overtake Judah. Jeremiah declared to Judah that a boiling pot of God's impending judgment was about to tip over on them. His words of impending judgment were such that they were that they wearied his secretary, whose name was Baruch. But it was the word of the Lord. Not only was Baruch wearied, but Jeremiah spent much of his time weeping as he saw the judgment of God approaching Judah. And Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. 
Jeremiah's prophecies were not popular with the people or with the kings or we could say the politicians of his day. Jeremiah was given a nickname, Old Terror on every side. Because whenever he would open his mouth to prophesy, or whenever he'd write or he'd have his secretary Baruch to write to prophesy, it would be of impending judgment that was coming. Repent, 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 for impending judgment is coming. There were plots to kill Jeremiah because the people did not like his word. There was this man named Peshur, the chief priest of the temple. He had Jeremiah beaten and put in stocks for declaring the word of God. Jeremiah cried out against the political leaders of his day. He cried out against King Jehoiakim for exploiting the people to build his own splendid palace with expensive furnishings. Jeremiah wrote a scroll of judgment against this king. But as the scroll was read, Jehoiakim, the king, cut it into pieces and threw it into the fire because he didn't like what was written on it. However, Jeremiah rewrote the scroll at the direction of God with the exact same words. You see, people may not like the word of God, but just because they don't like the word of God does not mean that it will change. The word of God is the same yesterday, today and forever. It's come to my attention talking about how Jeremiah cried out. Against the political ills of his day, you see, ministers of the gospel should and must cry out against the political ills of our day. Jesus did it. John the Baptist did it. The prophets in the Old Testament did it. And we should do it as well. It's come to my attention that there's a mayor in Houston. Houston, Texas, supported by the gay and lesbian community. And this mayor is trying to... Quote, unquote, censor pastor's sermons. I'm telling you today that that should be cried out against. That should be fought and that should be stopped. Can anybody say amen? Amen. At one point, the people came against Jeremiah for preaching a discouraging word. Think about that. They said, Jeremiah... You're just preaching a discouraging word. We don't want to hear your discouraging word. But you see, he was preaching the word of the Lord. He was trying to get the nation to repent. But they would not repent. And because they would not repent, the word of judgment stood. The people did not like his preaching, as I've said. You're preaching a discouraging word, Jeremiah. And they wanted to put him to death. They didn't kill him, but they put him in a muddy cistern. Think of that. Put it, being put in a muddy cistern in a well down deep in the ground, sinking in the mud because you obeyed God. Jeremiah became so discouraged as the people rejected his word, his word from God. He became so discouraged that he considered not preaching anymore in the name of the Lord. But God's word was in him like fire, fire shut up in his bones. You see, he's known as the weeping prophet, but he's also known as the prophet who had fire shut up in his bones. And he could not hold that fire back and he continued to declare the word of God. 
Now, Jeremiah, as you study into him a little bit, you'll see that his greatest challenge was not the political leaders. His greatest challenge was not even the people of the day that did not like his message. But his main challenge was the quote unquote feel good preachers of his day. Always preaching things people wanted to hear. That was Jeremiah, the man of God, the prophet of God's biggest challenge. The quote unquote feel good preachers of his day, always telling the people what they always wanted to hear. You see, this is one of the biggest parallels between what was going on in Judah and what is going on in America today. So many preachers always and underline in capital letters, bold it, italicize it, do whatever you have to do. Always real out, say always. So many preachers always preaching things people want to hear. I have no problem with a man of God preaching an encouraging word. We as ministers of the gospel should preach an encouraging word. Remember, the gospel means the good news. And we should be preaching the good news to people. We should be encouraging people. We should be lifting people up. But if that's all we're doing all the time, 100% of the time, 24-7, that's all we ever do every time we step in the pulpit and we never challenge people with the word of God, we never tell people, in what ways their lives are out of line with the word of God. If we don't ever do that and all we ever do is preach what people want to hear, then that kind of a minister is not sent from the presence of God and they're not a man or a woman of God. You have preachers that say, I heard one the other day say, all I ever do is preach the happy Jesus. That man is no more sent from the presence of God. I said he's not sent from the presence of God. Wasn't Jesus happy? Yeah, Jesus was happy. But he also took a whip one time and he drove some money changers out of the temple. Is that right? Yet ministers that say those sorts of things, I just preach the happy Jesus, that their churches are expanding on every side. And people think that they're advancing and growing at the hand of God. When a third grade Sunday school student knows or would know or should know that God is not endorsing that sort of thing. Why do they grow like that? Because this this nation, I'm talking about the quote unquote Christians in this nation are drunk For a word that will tickle their fancies. And I'm not taking it back because that's what the word of the Lord is. And in Judah. You said, Pastor Terry, you're being critical of other ministers. No, I'm in good company. That's what Jeremiah, he, he wasn't critical. He stood up and preached the word of God. And when you stand up and preach the word of God, it's going to sound like you're being critical of others. But no, you're just trying to warn the people. To not be deceived by, 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 by that sort of thing. As I said, I don't have a problem with. Ministers preaching encouraging words, but when that's all they're doing all the time, then they're no longer sent from the presence of God. God told Jeremiah to go to the temple. 
and preach his message of impending judgment and call the people to repentance. Jeremiah was told to go there and warn the people not to listen to the words of the quote unquote feel good prophets. That's what God told Jeremiah to do. Go to the temple, preach my word, tell the people that judgment is at the door and repent and not to listen to the words of the feel good prophets. What were some of the things that these Preachers of Jeremiah's day were preaching. Peace, peace. They would say, all is well. Don't worry. This is when the word of God was warning the people to repent because judgment was coming. And preachers, quote unquote, prophets would stand up and say to the people, peace, peace. All is well. Don't worry. Things aren't so bad. You'll be just fine. You are safe, they would say. The implication safe to continue in ways that are ungodly. These quote unquote feel good preachers would fill the people with false hopes saying no harm will come to you. These feel good preachers listen to what the Bible says. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turned from his wickedness and repented. And it makes perfect sense when you have a preacher standing in the pulpit, never pointing out the sins of the people, never challenging people, never preaching the word of God. uh, You can see that there won't be any repentance as a result of that kind of preaching. And the Bible says that that these, quote unquote, feel good preachers strengthen the hands of evildoers and no one turned From his wickedness. Because you see these preachers weren't warning the people. From the prophets of Judah and Jerusalem. The Bible said ungodliness has spread throughout the land. If you want to know dear friends why. Ungodliness has spread throughout the United States of America. You need not look to the Oval Office. But you need only look. To the pulpits of America. And you can see very clearly why sin has polluted the land. Because the ministers of God, by and large, some of them are preaching the word of God. But by and large, so many of them have forsaken the preaching of the word of God. Alexis de Tocqueville, a French philosopher, came over to the United States of America many years ago to seek out America's greatness. And he went and he looked in the different institutions that we had here. He looked in, in, into the, the, to the educational system and he, he said, I could not find the greatness of God there. He went to the spacious harbors and the, the beautiful harbors and the, and, and the grain filled fields. And he said, I didn't find America's greatness there. And, and he looked and he looked and he even looked at the political system and said, I did not find America's greatness there. And then he said, it was not until I went into the houses of worship, into the houses of God, into the church houses. And I, and I found the pulpits uh, aflame with the preaching of the word of God. And he said, it was then that I understood the greatness of America. You see, Sin has polluted this land because the pulpits of America have stopped preaching the word of God as they should. And they're telling the people a message that tickles the people's ears and something that the people want to hear. 
Again, the Bible says from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has spread throughout the land. They're the cause of sin polluting Judah. I've said that for years, but you have it right in the book of Jeremiah. Same thing happening there as you have here. It's interesting as you study the book of Jeremiah, you see the false prophets were sex driven. Now, when I first looked at that, I I paused a moment. Certainly they did have, as you study into it, there, there was sexual sin going on in the ministers of that day. But as you look into it a little bit further, you see that they were sex driven. And when you study that out a little bit, you'll see that they were using sensual things to appeal to the people. To get the people to listen to them. And that's just what you see today in the United States of America. And so many, uh, 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 some of these churches that I've observed and looked at, some of these larger churches, in so many instances, that they're using sensual things and sex-driven things that, that, to appeal to the people. My dear friends, sex and sensual things should not be used. Should not, should not, should not be used to draw people to the house of God. We don't need to use sensual things. We've got something far better than that. The power of the Holy Ghost. Sex driven. And the preachers were in Judah. In Jeremiah's day were subsidizing a culture of sin. And never gave it a second thought. In other words, they didn't even, in other words, they were using sex-driven things and sensual things to, to, uh, to draw the people, and it subsidized a culture of sin, and they didn't even give it a second thought. I'm going to camp on that for just a moment. Interesting. As Pastor Diane and I have observed some of the websites and some of the Media that that's out there for some what you think large and successful churches. And we did it not in a judgmental attitude, but just an observation just to see. And as we looked and observed how many of them are, I'm talking the leaders in the churches go into movies that are filled with foul language, filled with words where the Lord's name is taken in vain. To the point that it seems as though these spiritual leaders are doing these things and they don't even realize it. I know over the last months as we've looked for a youth minister and whatnot, and, and we found us a good one now, praise God. We had a great one before and things go from good and they get gooder. Amen? Can you say amen? amen. Brian, you did a great job with the youth. I'm proud of you, son. Praise God. And Brent's going to do a great job. But the point is, is this. As we looked for a youth minister, there were those that we looked at and we talked to them and we'd see on their Facebook and whatnot. Because before you hire somebody or let somebody work with you, you ought to maybe take a look at their Facebook or something like that. And it was amazing how many of them that we ran across and we talked to a couple of them. I know Pastor Diane talked to a couple of them and said, said, do you realize that, that you're, you're going to see movies that have taken the name of the Lord in vain and all these four letter words in it? And they were astounded. They didn't even realize 
that what they were doing was wrong. And then when we lovingly challenged them on it, they said, well, you're just being judgmental. We're going to continue in these things. And I'm convinced one reason that that is, is that probably if you trace it back to the pulpit that they're sitting under, they've never been told that you shouldn't go to movies that are filled with profanity. Somebody said, I, I I don't cuss, but do you go to a movie that's filled with cussing and you pay somebody else to do your cussing for you? I'm here today under the anointing of God telling you that you should not go to a movie that's filled with foul language. And if you do so, you're out of the will of God. And if you do so, it is sin. And I've had people left and right get mad at me for that and walk away from me. But I tell you what, walk away from me all you want. That's the word of the Lord. And I'm just blessed by those resounding amens that I got. I'll say it again. You go to an R-rated movie that's filled with foul language and sexual promiscuity. I tell you, you're in sin and disobedience to God. Whether I do it or you do it, it's wrong, dear friends. But it seems as though these people in Judah were doing these things and they didn't give it a second thought. The Bible says they're all like Sodom to me. And the people of Jerusalem are like Gomorrah. What does that tell me, among other things? It tells me that there was the sin of homosexuality going on in Judah. Can't you see that in this land today, that homosexuality has come to the forefront like never before? How many of you have observed that? Homosexuality is not an alternative lifestyle. It is sin. Now, I believe we should love the homosexual. We should not bash them or do anything harmful to them. But we should love them enough to tell them the truth that they need to repent of that sin and get right with God. And I'm here today to tell you that if a minister will not stand in his pulpit and he will not say, he refuses to say what I just said, he is not a minister of God, but yea, verily, he's a minister of the evil one. I didn't intend to say that, but that came out by the Spirit of God. It's time somebody stood up and said these things. They don't want to say anything like that because it might offend somebody. It might make somebody uncomfortable. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I want everybody to feel welcome. That's Summit Church. But I don't want anybody to feel comfortable until whatever it is in their life has been repented of and they got their life straight before Almighty God. I don't care if it's homosexuality or if it's gossip or whatever it may be. In some ways, I think gossip could even be more devastating than homosexuality. We don't want to just pick on homosexuals. You understand that. We could talk about gluttony and make a lot of preachers uncomfortable. Don't want to just pick on one thing. But I know there's preachers in this nation that would never say anything about homosexuality. Because they're 
because they're cowards. I said, I said by the Holy Ghost, they're cowards. And they really don't love the people. They really don't love God's flock. As if they love the people, if they love God's flock, they love them enough to stand there lovingly, even with tears in their eyes, and tell them what the Word of God says. The Reverend Billy Graham recently said America is just as wicked as Sodom and Gomorrah ever was. You look into the book of Jeremiah, there's one translation brings it out like this. They preach their everything will turn out fine sermons. That's what people did in Judah. These prophets, these preachers. They would preach everything will turn out fine again and again and again and again. Yeah, I've got to say it. There's people in this room right now. You think I'm being critical. You think I'm, I, 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 I'm being critical. You think I'm being critical. You think I'm being critical. And I'm telling you, you're being deceived. And if you don't straighten that up, you're going to be pulled right out of the will of God where you're supposed to be. I'm not standing up here mean-spirited. I'm standing up here under the anointing of God. Doing what God told me to do. To tell you the truth of the word of God. They would preach their everything will turn out fine sermons. Again and again to congregations of that day who had no taste for God. And I believe in this nation we have a a, a nation full of Christians who have lost their taste for God. Oh taste and see that the Lord is good. But I think there's so many congregations that are full of quote unquote spiritually diabetic Christians. And we have so many pastors standing in pulpits throwing sugar cookies to an already diabetic congregation. My God. Last thing you need is another spiritual sugar cookie. You need a little meat of the word of God. They would stand and they'd preach their nothing bad will ever happen to you sermons again and again and again. And they preached these messages to people who were set in their unrepentant ways. And God said, if these quote unquote feel good preachers ever bothered to sit down with me and meet with me, they'd they'd preach my message to my people and they'd have gotten them back on the right track. They'd have gotten them out of their evil ruts. The word of God says in Jeremiah, God said this to Jeremiah. He said, isn't my message like fire? Isn't it like a sledgehammer busting a rock? That's a good test for any pulpit. Check the pulpit. Check the preacher. See if he's preaching an encouraging word. And if he is, that's good. That's wonderful. That's great. And it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And we ought to be preaching that good, that good, uplifting, encouraging word of God. But there should be times and test the pulpits to see if, if, is there ever any fire of God coming out over that pulpit? Is the message always just a feather bed message? Or is there ever a sledgehammer type message coming out, busting rock, busting those things off of you that need to be busted off of you? You see, if all you ever have is a feather bed type of a, a, a of a pulpit, a pablum pushing pulpiteer, and all it 
ever is is just the sweet, good, feel-good messages, and that's all it is. And there's never a, a message of fire coming out. There's never a message like a sledgehammer busting a rock. If you don't ever see that occasionally from a pulpit, then I'm telling you it's not a pulpit assigned or sent by Almighty God. There was this man named Hananiah, a quote-unquote prophet of God. He told the people that the Babylonian... Now listen to this. He told the people that the Babylonian captivity would only be for two years. Not 70 years as Jeremiah was prophesying. And that 70 had to do with the violation of sabbatical years. I'll not not get into that. But one thing I can say about that is that the people in Judah, they no longer honored the Sabbath. They didn't honor the sabbatical year. That seventh year out of every seven years, that last year, they were not supposed to work the ground, but they worked the ground anyway. Much I could say about it. That's why they went into captivity for 70 years, because there were 70 uh, uh, sabbatical years that the ground was not given rest. But what's the point here? I'm telling you. In this nation, the United States of America, when I was a kid some 40 years ago, when you'd go out on Sunday morning, there was nobody out. There was nothing going on. The stores were all closed. Everything was dead as a doornail. And it should have been why. Why was it? Because these things were closed down in honor of the Lord's day. But in this hour in which we live, that you can't tell any difference between Saturday and Sunday. This nation has all become a nation of idolaters and they're no longer uh, honoring God. They're no longer honoring the Sabbath day and because of that among other things the judgment of God is pending on this nation this man named Hananiah quote unquote prophet of God he stood up and he told the people, no, Jeremiah is wrong, the captivity won't be 70 years, it's only going to be two years Jeremiah warned him and said Judge your prophecies against the prophecies of other true prophets of God who are saying that judgment's coming to the land. And he still said, no, two years. Two years. Why did he say two years? Because the people didn't want to hear 70 years. They wanted to hear two years. Isn't two years better than being 70 in captivity? And it's interesting. Jeremiah wishes that Hananiah's prophecies were right. I stand here. And I I wish to God that I could stand up here and just preach pleasant things all the time. Do you think I like standing here and preaching and saying repent? Do you think I like standing here and saying the things that I need to say about homosexuality and R-rated movies? Do you think I get my kicks out of that? Do you think I want to do that? Do you think I want to do these things that bring such criticism on me? Do you think I like that? I don't like it. It's not fun. I don't like to do it. I'd like to stand here and tell you everything that you want to hear, but I can't do that and be a man of God. And Jeremiah wished that this Hananiah's prophecies would come true, but he knows they will not. And Hananiah's false prophecy cost him his life. As a result of the messages of these feel-good preachers of Jeremiah's day, the people They'd become so cold toward God. The Bible says in Jeremiah that the chances of them changing was about the same as a leopard changing its spots. Isn't that sad? It's interesting that God sent a drought 
It was not the ultimate judgment of Babylonian captivity, but it was a preliminary judgment of drought. And the ground was cracked. The farmers were dismayed. And it was a preliminary judgment in an attempt to get the people to repent before the ultimate judgment of Babylonian captivity came. See, God's looking for repentance. Somebody say amen. Amen. God doesn't want to bring judgment. That's not what he's all about. That doesn't make his day. He doesn't want to bring judgment. How many of you know God is not an old, old meanie? He really isn't. The Bible says, behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. There is the goodness of God, and we emphasize that. But we must, to be a man of God, uh, we must also consider the severe side. And he sent a drought in, in order to try to get the people to return to him. Did you know that we're under such a drought now in the United States? Now, in California, study it sometime and see there's a drought out there right now of unprecedented proportion. The ground is cracked. Farmers are dismayed. And I haven't seen this nation repent because of it. These people, they cried to the Lord in the midst of that drought. They said, where are you, Lord? He does not answer us. Why? Because, you see, they were looking to, they were in the midst of a drought, and, and, and they, they just wanted the drought to stop. They said, well, we're sorry, Lord. You know, there's a real sorry, and then there's a fake sorry. And God didn't listen to them. Why? Because he knew that once the drought ceased, that they'd go right back to their sinful ways. Just like here in the United States on 9-11 when those planes went in to those, those buildings. I remember the senators and the congressmen some days later standing on the steps there of the Capitol singing God bless America. I was interviewed by a local radio station at that time. And they asked me, they said, have you seen church attendance pick up at all? And I said, I said, yeah, j- just a little bit. And then I said to him, I hope it holds, though, because a lot of times people, once the, 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 the event has passed, they tend to go right back to their old ways. And how many of you know the senators and the congressmen, the God bless America songs only lasted for a while. And in the process of 40 years, Judah fell captive to the Babylonians for 70 years. What about America? What about America? Pastor Terry, what do you see? I can only tell you what I see. I've had many people frustrated with me because they want me to stand in the pulpit and say, I see a great revival coming to this nation, but I don't. Now, just because I don't see it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Maybe God just hasn't revealed that to me. But what I do see is I see God's impending judgment upon America. And I tell you by the spirit of God that calamity is coming to this nation. And I've said that privately to people who are close to me and who we have meetings with, you know, behind the scenes and whatnot. I've said that to them for some time, said to my wife before that. But now I say it publicly that calamity is coming to this nation. 
except this nation repent. God's always looking for repentance. Calamities coming to this nation. Now we weigh that in light of two prophets of God, like Jeremiah told Hananiah to do. That's what I've done. Listen real carefully now for the next several minutes. You don't want to miss this. Kenneth Hagin, who I believe to be a prophet of God, I've studied his life. Many people didn't like him, but a whole lot of people did. But that's beside the point. I studied his life. I, I was attended the man's school. And I believe in it to be a prophet of God. And the proof of the pudding is in the eating in 1950 in Rockwall, Texas. God gave him a vision, 1950. And among other things, he saw back in 1950 skyscrapers as burned out hulls and portions of that city laid in ruins. Did we see that on 9-11? And he saw this in 1950. I don't even know that we had skyscrapers in 1950. Certainly not like we did some 51 years later in 2001. He saw skyscrapers as burned out hulls and portions of the city laying in ruins. 51 years before it happened. He didn't even realize altogether what he was seeing. I mean, but that's what it was. Once an event happens and you look back at it, it's easier to see. He saw skyscrapers as burned out holes, portions of the city laid in ruins. He said the Spirit of God told him that America was receiving her last call. And I believe in 2001, God, I believe God gave this nation its last call. It's been somewhat 13 years since that time, and I have not seen repentance in this land. I'm talking about national repentance. I'm talking about repentance from the president down to the last pony. Did you hear what I just said? I'm talking about the president going out in the rose garden and bowing his knee to the Lord Jesus Christ in sackcloth and ashes and repenting. I'm talking about from the pulpit to the pew, having prayer services where we're before Almighty God in repentance, not worrying about what time it is. If this nation is going to be spared from the judgment of God, that's the kind of, ju- of, of repentance that's going to need to happen. Not a little feigned fake repentance off to the side where we have a little prayer meeting and five people show up and that's the beginning and the end of it. It's going to take more than a few congressmen standing on the, on, on the Capitol stairs singing Kumbaya and God bless America. We're going to need true repentance like when, when Jonah went into the city of Nineveh. He said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And they went into repentance from the, from the king all the way down to the cow, brother. I mean, they had repentance in the land. Did you hear what I just said? And God stayed the judgment. That's what God would like for this nation, for us to have repentance from the president down to the, down to the last pony from the pulpit to the pew and, ha- and have repentance. Say repentance. Say it like you mean it. Say repentance. That's what God's looking for. And then Brother Hagin said this. He said the Spirit of God showed him this about America. He said that He saw skyscrapers as burned out holes, portions of the city laid in ruins. And then he said, and this would, and this has my full attention, and this would not be the only such city. Pastor, you're trying to scare us. No, I'm just trying to get your attention. 
It lines up with what I've seen. William Branham, in 1933, who I consider to be a prophet, he got off track in later years, but when God gave him this, he was flowing in the office of the prophet. In 1933, he had seven visions, standing in the office of the prophet. Seven things that would come to pass before the Lord Jesus returned in the second coming. Remember, there's a difference between the rapture and the second coming. The rapture of the Lord catches us up, the church up. Second coming, he sets seven years later, approximately, he sets his feet on the Mount of Olives. William Branham had seven visions, three of which dealt specifically with America. One of the things he saw had to do with, with Mussolini. You ought to read that sometime. He prophesied exactly how Mussolini would come up, what he would do. He'd invade Ethiopia. He prophesied exactly how he would die uh, 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 and that people would come and spit on his dead corpse. And it happened just like he saw. But three prophecies that had to do with America. First of all, Branham, is it all right if I go on a little longer and share this with you? We're not going to be concerned with time this morning because we're here under the assignment of the Holy Ghost. Special message today. Branham indicated America would be drawn into a world war against Germany, which would be headed up by the Austrian Adolf Hitler. He saw this before it happened. He predicted that this terrible war would overthrow Hitler in the process of time and he'd come to a mysterious end. How many of you know Hitler did? Also in this vision, he was shown about the Siegfried Lion. Most people don't even know what it was. But, but a great toll to, of American lives would be, would be lost. And Hitler would be defeated. That Siegfried Lion, the United States covered it up for years. And finally it came out. What Bram, Branham saw was exactly right. Branham also predicted that President Roosevelt would serve a fourth term. Which he did. Only president to ever do that. Secondly, Branham saw... In the United States, a most beautiful woman rising to power, clothed with splendor and great power was given to her. She was lovely of feature, but there was a hardness about her that defied description. Beautiful as she was, she was yet cruel, wicked and cunning. She dominated the land with her authority. She had complete power over the people. The vision indicated that either such a woman would literally arise or that this woman in the vision was merely a type of an organization which is scripturally characterized by a female. I don't know. This is just my own opinion, but it'll be interesting to see in this next election if a female gets elected and who she might be. Just observation. No prediction from me, just observation. And then thirdly, listen to this. What Branham saw concerning America, he said, the, the voice of the Spirit bade me look once more. As he turned and looked, a great explosion rent the entire land. And left the land of America a smoldering, chaotic ruin. As far as the eye could see, there was nothing but craters, smoking piles of debris, and no humanity in sight. Pastor, you're just trying to scare me. No, I'm just... Reading to you what the man said. I said, I'm just reading to you what the man said. We need to be sobered up in this nation. I said, we need to be sobered up. We've been put to sleep. We've been put to sleep by television, by media, by Internet. 
We've been put to sleep by our cell phones. I said we've been put to sleep. I said we've been put to sleep by preachers. Time we wake up. I said it's time we wake up. I said it's time we wake up. I'm just going to go through this quickly. You can read this in Jeremiah 50 and 51, but listen to me. In Jeremiah 50 and 51, what would Jeremiah say to America? Some say in Jeremiah 50 and 51, chapter 50, 51, some say this deals with ancient Babylon. And and it, it may well. There's just some things in there that don't apply to ancient Babylon. Dr. Jack Van Impey, have you ever heard of him? A good minister of the gospel, an end time uh, a preacher who's very, very solid and very good. He said this about Jeremiah 50 and 51. He was not dogmatic about it, but he said that the things we read in Jeremiah 50 and 51 could, could apply to America. I'm just going to run through these with you. Are you okay if we, if we go through this? But I'm going to complete this assignment if I have to stand here and preach to empty chairs. But I'm going to do what God told me to do today. If you all walk out on me, this is what the word of the Lord is. One reason you don't have more power in the church than what you do. And one reason you don't have more power in your life than what you do. Is because you're too quick to get, you want to get out of the service. You've got to get out of the service. You've got to get out of the service. Got to get, why? Why? What better thing do you have to do than sit here and listen to the word of God? You read this in Jeremiah 50, 51, just a few, just several verses, just listen to this. Could, could, could apply to America. Out of the north. Now ancient Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians from the east. Out of the north. There cometh up a nation against her which shall make her land desolate. None shall dwell therein. Babylon was dwelt in again after it fell to the Medes and the Persians. They shall remove, they shall depart both men and beast. In those days... And in that time, saith the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together, going and weeping. They shall go and seek the Lord their God. Israel is in existence now, but it wasn't in ancient Babylon because it fell to it. So that couldn't be talking about the Babylon of of ancient days. For lo, I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon. God typically in Scripture would raise his hand of protection and allow... Heathen nations to come in and afflict his people. Wasn't his will, but that's what happened. An assembly of great nations from the north country. Again, the Medes and the Persians came from the east. They shall set themselves in array against her. From thence she shall be taken. Their arrows shall be as a mighty expert man. None return in vain. Your mother, which in this case would be Great Britain... She would be considered the mother of the United States. Shall be sore confounded. She that bury you. See, ancient Babylon had no mother, only a father, Nimrod. Said, your mother that bury you will be ashamed. Behold, the youngest of the nations. America's a young nation. Only 238 years old. A baby nation. Shall be a wilderness, a dry land, a desert place. Because of the wrath of the Lord, it shall not be inhabited. But it shall be wholly desolate. Everyone that goeth by Babylon shall be Astonished and hiss at her plagues. My, my, my. 
Put yourselves in array against Babylon. Round about all ye that bend the bow. Shoot at her. Spare no errors, for she has sinned against the Lord. America has sinned against the Lord. Shout against her round about. She has given her hand. Her foundations are fallen. Her walls are thrown down. For it is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance upon her as she has done to others. Do unto her. How is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? A hammer can shape and the United States has shaped this, na- this world like no other nation. How has Babylon become a desolation among the nations? I have laid a snare for thee. And thou art also taken, O Babylon, and thou wast not aware, thou that found also caught, because I have striven against the Lord. This nation has striven against the Lord and has tried God's patience. Call together the archers against Babylon, all ye that bend the bow, camp against it round about, let none thereof escape, recompense her according to her work, according to all that she's done, do unto her, for she's been proud against the Lord, against the Holy One of Israel, and this nation has been proud against the Lord, and I warn, I tell you what, I warn the president, be, I want, as a, I stand here as a prophet of God, and I warn the president, this one, and any other one that sits in that Oval Office, be very, very, very careful how you handle Israel. I'm telling you, the presidency of the United States is one of the most dangerous jobs. How, how is that? They've got the secret service. Yeah, but I tell you what, you want to be real watchful if you're the president, how you handle Israel. Because I tell you what, the secret service cannot protect you from the hand of Almighty God. Behold, I'm against thee, O most proud, saith the Lord God of hosts, for the day has come, the time that I'll visit thee. I'm telling you, God is going to visit this nation in judgment. His hand even now is being lifted off this nation. And when God's hands lift, it's a form of judgment. Listen to this. He said, I'll kindle a fire in its cities. What would Jeremiah say if he was standing here? He'd be warning. If he looked into those cameras on television, he wouldn't be saying your best day is now or, or your best life is now. But he'd say, listen, United States of America, repent before, because the judgment of God is even at the doors. And I assure you that Jeremiah would not have stadiums full of people to listen to him. Guaranteed fact. The swords upon their horses, upon their chairs, upon the mingled people. America is a melting pot. That are in the midst of her and they'll, they'll become as women. I believe talking about homosexuality. The swords upon her treasure. They've, they, all that she's wrought. A drought, listen to this. A drought is upon her waters. This is in Jeremiah 50, 51. A drought is upon her waters. They'll be dried up. There were no waters in ancient Babylon. It was desert. For it, why? Why is her waters dried up? Why? Because it's a land of graven images. They are mad for their idols. And I'm telling you, this nation of the United States, it is mad about idols. I said it is mad about idols. I'm telling you what, you can have, you can have a, a service uh, 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 you can have a service scheduled, but if there's a Cardinal World Series game on, I guarantee it to you, you're not going to have hardly anybody show up in the house of God. They're going to be watching the Cardinal game. I'm all for the Cardinals. I'm all for them. But I tell you what, we need to love Jesus more than the Cardinals. A nation of idolaters. 
Therefore, the wild beasts of the desert, wild beasts of the island shall dwell there. The owls that dwell there and it'll be no more inhabited. Babylon was inhabited later on. There'll be no more in it forever. Neither shall be dwelt in from generation to generation. As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighbor cities thereof, saith the Lord, no man shall live or abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell therein. My God. Could this be America? It could. I'm not saying it is, but it could. Almost finished. Listen to this. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I'll raise up against Babylon, could be the United States, and against them that dwell in the midst of them that rise up against me a destroying wind. I'll send unto Babylon fanners that shall fan her and shall empty her land. It'll be a day of trouble. Babylon has been a golden cup in the Lord's hand. And I'll tell you what, the United States has been a golden cup in the Lord's hands. The nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore, the nations are mad. O thou that dwellest upon many waters. How many of you know the United States dwells on many waters? Babylon didn't. Abundant in treasures. Are we abundant in treasure? Yes. Richest nation on earth. Thine end is come in the measure of thy covetousness. Because of covetousness. Covetousness in this land. It says the communication systems will be stopped. The travel will be destroyed. And it will be without an inhabitant. Cities are a desolation and so on. Though Babylon mount up to heaven. Boy, this has my attention here. Both. Listen, though Babylon should mount up to heaven and though she should fortify. Could be talking about space space exploration. There could be. And though she should fortify the height of her strength. Yet from me, from God. Listen to this. Not that he sent him directly, but when it, listen to me. When his hand of protection lifts, then the devil's free to come in and attack. Did you hear me? And it says, yet from me shall spoilers come into the land. Spoilers come into the land. Have we heard anything about that on the news lately? Spoilers coming into the land. ISIS terrorist cells coming into the land. Many would say the things you've just read about Pastor Terry will never happen to America. But that's what they said on 9-11 too. Judah said the same thing. God will never allow us to be overthrown. But it was. What would Jeremiah say to America? He had, God had Jeremiah ask Judah a question. Why are you destroying yourselves? And I'm telling you what, America, the greatest nation, along with Israel, that we've ever seen in the history of mankind. And I'm telling you what, there's no power on the outside that can come in and destroy us. But I tell you what, like so many other great civilizations, we're being destroyed from within by sin and corruption and a lack of seeking the face of God. Why are we destroying ourselves? Why are we doing this to ourselves? Why do we love idols that can't speak more than we love God? Why do we love sports teams more than we love God? Why do we love the Internet more than we love God? He would say, repent, humble yourselves and pray and seek the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Billy Graham said that God's judgment could be lessened if the people of God would get together and pray and if national leaders would pray. How should Christians pray for America as we move forward? Jeremiah was told by God to search the streets 
for one honest person and then God would spare the city. But Jeremiah could not find one. They're all liars. But I'm here today to tell you that there are some honest people left in the United States of America. And you prayers, you intercessors, you need to be holding that before God day and night. Uh, 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 just like just like Abraham held held it, the righteous people. God, if you could find 50 in Sodom, would you spare him in Gomorrah? If you find 40, if you find 30, find 20, if you could find 10, God would have spared it for 10. Oh, we need to intercede and hold that before God. And as I close, I say Jeremiah was also a prophet of hope. And he talked about the future restoration of Judah and Israel. And he said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and harm you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Dear friends, I preached longer today, but I couldn't deliver this message that God gave me in 28 minutes. I couldn't deliver this message that God gave me to suit your fancy and your time schedule. One reason there's no power, more power in churches than what there is, is because we've organized God complete, completely and totally out of the services. They that wait on the Lord are the ones that will experience his power in his presence. They that wait upon the Lord. They that are willing to come and sit And reverently listen to the word of God until the spirit of God is done. Those are the people. Who will experience the presence of the Lord. Jeremiah's message to this nation would be strong. It would be poignant. It would be powerful. In one word it would be summed up. Repent. And there is judgment coming to this nation. It's already begun as the hand of God has already begun to lift here and there. And here and there. And here and there. And calamity. Is coming to this nation. And I hear, as it were, the roar of a lion, fierce and awesome, going forth in this nation, devouring, tearing asunder. And tearing down. A roar as it was of a lion fierce. Bringing fear. Stealing. Killing. And destroying. The roar as it was of a lion. Persecuting. Causing great tumult and persecution upon God's people. 
persecution that you've not even seen in this nation up till now. The roar, as it were, of a lion harassing the people of God. Tearing, stealing, bringing havoc. Bringing utter destruction even upon those that seek not my face. I hear, as it were, the roar of a lion going forth in the land, seeking those that he may devour. And even laying destruction upon, to varying degrees, of the people of God. And the people of God even suffering To varying degrees. Because of the. Sins of the nation. Even as Jeremiah suffered to varying degrees. Because of the sins of Judah. I hear as it were the voice. The sound. The sound. I hear as it were the sound of a lion. Fierce. And awesome. Intimidating. Even the people of God. What are the people of God to do? What are the people of God to do? For some terrifying times lay ahead. And as that roar as it was of a lion gets stronger and stronger and stronger, stronger, darkness comes and the roar as it were of that lion gets stronger and stronger and the people of God asking one another what are we to do what are we to do what are we to do but before the worst of it comes I hear the voice (laughs) I hear the voice of another lion I hear the voice of another lion, mighty and strong and powerful and mighty in battle. I hear the voice of another lion that roars. And when that lion roars, this other roar of this first lion is quieted and silenced and awestruck. And the roar of that first lion trembles and shakes And withdraws and backs off. For the roar of this second lion is the roar of a true lion indeed. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The Lord Jesus Christ. And his roar shall come forth from Mount Zion. And from the very heaven above. And his roar shall go out. Before the worst of it come upon the people of God in this nation, that second lion shall roar and it shall intimidate the roar of the first lion. And that first lion's roar will be silenced and back off at the roar of this second lion. And that roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah shall be strong and shall be powerful and shall be mighty. And that roar 
shall proceed and be coincide with the coming, the rapture of the Lord, uh, of the church through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll roar from Zion and the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a roar, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of almighty God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we who are alive will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye and will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And as that second roar ascends along with the people of God up into heaven. Oh, oh, oh. You do not want to be. Woe to the inhabitants that are left upon the earth. Woe to the inhabitants that are left upon the earth. After that second lion's roar is taken up. For then that first lion, as it were a lion, shall have free and complete course. And shall devour many and there will be a time of tribulation upon the earth such as has never been seen. So thus saith the Spirit of God, be not intimidated by the roar of the devil. But continue to stay close to me and walk with me, saith the Lord. Stay close to me. Stay close to me in the morning hour. Stay close to me in the noon hour. Stay close to me in the midnight hour. Stay close to me, not just on, on, on church day, but stay close to me every day. Walk close to me. Keep the word. Keep my word in your heart and in my mind. Stay close to me. Put away sin. If there's sin in your life, judge yourself and you'll not be judged. Stay close to me. And my roar will come and catch you away before the worst of it come. Hallelujah. 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 That was just a word of prophecy that came up in my spirit. We haven't had a word like that in months and months and months. Hallelujah. Two roars. Hallelujah. Let's not be intimidated by the devil. Let's, let's listen for the roar of Jesus. Stand with me if you would. Stand with me, if you would, in the presence of a holy God. Just seems to me that we ought to... Boy, the presence of God is strong. Just in your own way, just worship the Lord with the fruit of your lips, giving praise to Him. Go ahead. Let your voice be heard in the house of God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Holy is the name of the Lord. Holy is the name of the Lord. Holy is the name of the Lord. Holy is holy. Holy is the name of the Lord. 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 Holy, holy, holy is the name of the Lord. Raise your voice to him just just a little bit more. Come on, friend. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the name. Holy is the name. Holy is the name of the Lord. Learn to raise your voice to God. Learn. Learn. We we oftentimes don't get all what God wants. People aren't worshiping God as they should. Your worship draws the presence of God. Your worship draws the praise of God, the, 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 the power of God. Your praise draws the power of God. Whew. 
Hallelujah. 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 It seems the people of God don't know how to praise God anymore. They've been led in entertainment so long. They've come to the house of entertainment, been entertained, and they've forgotten how to worship God. Oh, that people would not need to be entertained, that they'd raise their voices to God, that they'd raise their voices to God. Oh, God, could it ever be that the people would be praising you to the point that I couldn't even that I couldn't even take the pulpit and preach? That only happened one time in all the years of ministry. That the people were praising you that I couldn't take the pulpit. Oh, that people would learn to praise you. That they'd learn to lift their voices and pray to the point. That'd be a desire of my heart. That people praising you to the point that I couldn't even preach. Hallelujah. Will there ever be a people like that again in the land? Hallelujah. Raise your voice, dear friend. You shouldn't need me to egg you on. My God. Hallelujah. 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 We bless the name of the Lord. We bless the name of the Lord. In the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God forevermore. Praise God forevermore. Praise God forevermore. Bless the name of the Lord Jesus, head of the church. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. 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 Diane, go ahead and take the service. Hallelujah. Holy is your name, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, God. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. Oh, sweet Lord. Sweet, sweet, sweet Lord. Our best friend. Our mighty Jesus. Oh, we adore you. We adore you. The devil has used our culture. The devil has used ministers some ministers in this country to euthanize the church, the powerful, glorious church of the living God is being euthanized by our culture and by some ministers. What does that mean, euthanized? 
It means it's being slowly put to death and enjoying every step of it. Church, make sure that you, the power and the might on the inside of you is not being euthanized by pleasure. It's not being euthanized, put to death and enjoying it by idols, by whatever idols that you are drawn to. Make sure that you're full of power, full of the power of the Holy Ghost, that you represent the church of the living God, not just a happy church to make everybody happy. There is a skill that has been learned by ministers that are used by the devil to create what they call a successful ministry. And they're not allowed to use certain words. Those words are hell, blood, cross, punishment, evil, and sin. These ministers that lust after a large crowd, they have decided not to use those words because those words won't make people happy. And I'm telling you that those words are the gospel. We were born into sin. We are sinners. We sin. We have corruption on the inside of us. That's why we needed our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We needed his cross. We needed the blood that was shed to wash us of our sins. We need to realize that the the price paid for us was so expensive. It cost Jesus everything. That's how much he loves us. So let's go before the Lord this morning. I want you all to come up here. Come up here in front. Everybody quickly come up here in front. Don't be bashful. Let's come to the Lord. Let's all come to the altar. Come to the Lord and repent. Repent of wanting pleasure more than God himself. Repent of wanting pleasure and having all your, all your pleasure needs met is more important to you than serving God. Let's repent of not being involved in our political world here in the United States. Only 25% of Christians actually vote. And then you ask why things are happening the way they are. And probably fewer than that Christians actually pray. Let's go before the Lord and repent of our sins. Father, we, we recognize that we're sinful. We recognize, Father, that we've been looking after our own pleasure, our own happiness, our own satisfaction. We repent, Lord God. We come before you in repentance, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that you would show each person here, show me, show each person here, Lord, what we need to repent of. What we need to repent of so that we're walking right before you, God. So that we don't have idols in our life. So that we're a strong church. So that we're a mighty church. And I'm not just talking about Summit Church. I'm talking about the church, the body of of God. That we're strong. That we're mighty. That we're powerful. That that what marks us most is our love and compassion. 
that our mouths are full of love and compassion. Oh, Father, anoint your church in a mighty way. This church, Lord, that's seeking after you, that wants the real you, that wants the real Bible, that wants your real word, Lord God. We come before you in repentance, Father. We're sorry, God. We're sorry, God, for the ways that we failed you. We're sorry, God, for the ways that we failed the United States of America. Because we are what makes it great, Lord. The Christians, we're sorry that we've come up short. But we ask you, Lord, to forgive us and to forgive this nation and to stay your judgment, Lord. And we make a commitment, Lord. We make a commitment, Almighty God, to walk the way you want us to walk. To walk on the narrow road. To walk on the way that very few people are walking. To walk away from the crowd to follow you. We make a commitment, Lord. Bring to our awareness, Father, ways that we're not walking holy before you. Father, we just ask for a renewed energy, renewed fire within us as your church Oh, we worship you, God. We worship you, God. Let's just all pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray for this country. Lift up your voices. We intercede for the United States of America. Lord, it's our desire that we would, this country would turn to you, Lord God. That they would turn to you. Father, we pray for our loved ones. Lord, we pray for those that we love, Lord God, that don't know you. Lord, we tear down any spiritual blindness that's on them in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would draw them unto you. Father, that you'd bring perfect laborers unto them, Lord God, that you would open up their mind and their hearts to your word, that you would reveal to them their need for for a Savior, their, their need for Jesus Christ. Oh, fill us with boldness, God. Fill us with boldness. Make us new. Make us... To be like something we don't even recognize, Lord God, that we'd be flames of fire for you, Lord God. Oh, glory be to your name, Lord God. Glory, glory be to your name, Lord God. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. Holy, holy, holy is your name. Almighty Redeemer. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Almighty God. We love you, Almighty God. We love you, Almighty God. We love you, God. We love you, dear Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, God. We love you, God. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Father, your word says if we love you, we'll keep your commandments. 
We'll show you our love, Lord God, by keeping your commandments. We'll show you that we love you, Lord, by loving other people. Oh, we love you, God. We adore you, God. We adore you, mighty Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If there's anybody here who's, you've never become a Christian, you might come to church all the time, but you've never turned your life over to the Lord. You don't even know half of what we're talking about. You don't understand it. Well, I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you so much, and he wants you to be his child. And I just invite, invite you right now to repent of your sins. Come to God and tell him you're sorry that you've sinned against him and that you want to turn away from that sin and that you want to make him the Lord of your life. You want to serve him. If you'd like to do that today, just come up here, stay up here after everyone leaves, and the altar workers will be up here, and we'll pray with you. We'll help you. And we'd like, to, and we'd like you to enter the kingdom of heaven and, and know all that God has for you, all the glorious things God has for you. And also, we want you to be our brother or sister in the Lord. We want you to be part of our spiritual family. And we want you to escape the punishment of hell. So if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to do that today. Amen.